Hey neighbor, I appreciate you stopping by. It's a great evening tonight. Fall's in the air. Won't be long. It'll be Christmas time. But hey, pull up a chair. I'll run inside the house and get you a cup of joe. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Today's topic, the heart is the matter. My original intention of this podcast was to focus on the portion of Scripture that talks about Jesus giving the Pharisees the sign of Jonah and looking at the parallel between what he says clearly is the sign of being in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, and so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. I worked on it for quite some time, had a lot of stuff put in the computer. It still just did not sit right, so I let it lay there for some time. Then I came back to revisit it because I really am feeling compelled to deal with this passage of Scripture and still coming to a place to where just not satisfied on what it is that God is saying to me or wanting to say to me and what I need to relay to you. And then finally, I had a breakthrough today. And so I want to share that with you. But let's start with the passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 42. It says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered them, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, Something greater than Solomon is here. What's interesting is you fast forward a few chapters and Jesus again makes the appeal to the sign of Jonah. There in Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, it says, The Pharisees and Sadducees approached and tested him, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be good weather because the sky is red. And in the morning, today will be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. So it's interesting, this repeat of the appeal to the sign of Jonah. So it really got me to thinking. Then I realized perhaps I need to back up and look at the larger picture of what was being said and not bogging down on the three days and three nights. And literally, it says that a greater than the temple, in verse 6, Jesus said, something greater than the temple is here. Here in verse 41, he says, a greater than Jonah is here. And then in verse 42, he says, a greater than a Solomon is here. So in one passing, passing glance, you see that Jesus appeals to the fact that the law, the prophets, and the writings are here. When you see talk about the temple, that's the sacrifice. That's the law. When you talk about Jonah, that's the prophets. When you talk about Solomon, that's the, the, the wisdom writings, the, the writings. So you have the law, the prophets, and the writings all here represented in Jesus Christ. He's greater than all that combined. And yet there's even more. 
This is in Word Biblical Commentary on page 353. It says, Now they ask to see a sign, presumably a miracle performed just for them, something that would amaze them while presenting irrefutable evidence that his claims were true. Yet this is precisely the kind of miracle, a demonstrative display of power for the purpose of impressing that Jesus would not perform. His miracles were never done for the sake of creating an effect or of overpowering those who witnessed them. They were much more a part of his proclamation and thus designed solely to meet human needs. In other words, that Jesus wasn't into being a a local magician and performing for the crowds. His miracles were in combination and congruent and a part of his proclamation and thus designed solely to meet human needs. The writer goes on to say, even if Jesus had performed some astonishing sign for them, such was their unbelief, it is implied that they probably would have charged Jesus with sorcery and thus used it against them. Jesus was very much in tune with the fact that the scribes and the Pharisees, they wanted a performance. They wanted someone to dance a jig for them, and yet Jesus was absolutely refusing to play to their tune. In verse 6 of this chapter, Jesus makes the statement to the scribes and the Pharisees that something greater than the temple is here. Here he's made the statements that something greater than Jonah is here, something greater than Solomon is here, and to that the author writes regarding the greater than passages, it's understood as referring to the entire reality of Jesus and his proclamation and the inauguration of the kingdom of God. You see, this is the sticking point. This is what they hated about Jesus. He came in with power and authority, and it was clear that a shakeup had come, and they hated it because the rising of Jesus to power and the power of the kingdom of heaven that had come was the abolition of their world system. They were the key religious leaders of their day. These key religious leaders, the people who oppressed the people, they were full of hate for God and his way. The writer goes on to say, in the greater more than sayings, we encounter something and someone greater than the temple and hence a priest, a high priest, a prophet, and a king. The wisdom of Solomon is exceeded by Christ, who is the incarnation of wisdom. That the Pharisees did not respond positively to such conspicuous evidence as Jesus had given them already, makes them all the more culpable, deserving blame. Jesus and his kingdom far exceed all else in that Israel had witnessed in her history. Let me read that one more time. This is absolutely true. Jesus and his kingdom far exceeded all else in that Israel had witnessed in her history. Now, folks, in her history, that means the parting of the Red Seas, that when Jesus came and the work that he did among the people— For all to see exceeded anything they had witnessed in their history. It was that powerful. Ironically, the Gentiles, the Bible says, will be able to see what the Pharisees cannot. So he goes on and says, In principle, there is nothing wrong with the desire for a sign from God. The request for a sign only becomes unjustified and intrinsically wrong when one is already surrounded by good and sufficient evidence one chooses not to accept. In that case, unreceptivity and unbelief are the root problem. And it's unlikely that any sign would be sufficient to change such a person's mind. This is not to argue for gullibility or easy belief. The fact is, however, that Jesus's contemporaries had plenty of evidence upon which to act responsibly. Evidence of the truth of the gospel exists today, both for unbelievers and believers. In these circumstances, to ask for more evidence, more signs, is to reflect a deep-seated unbelief 
and the reality of God and His grace. Here is the point of all this that should bring you great peace in the midst of this present agitation. The refusal of the wicked people of this age to accept the truth of God's Word and the person and work of Jesus Christ the Messiah, Savior, and Lord is not due to a lack of overwhelming real evidence that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, the Savior of the world, and has ushered in a new kingdom that has come in power and majesty. The real, powerful, and convincing evidence is staggering in scope and magnitude. Friend, I want you to hear that again. The real, powerful, and convincing evidence that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth, that He is the Savior of the world, that God exists, that heaven is real, and that hell is real, and God's coming chastisement and punishment and condemnation of the lost to an eternal hell and the righteous to an eternal heaven is overwhelming. It's powerful. It's convincing. The problem is in their own refusal, talking about those who are away from Christ, who refuse to believe. The problem is their own refusal to believe what they know is the truth. Mark it down. In a person's heart of hearts, one who says, I do not believe in Jesus Christ. God is not real. I will not submit. In the core of their being, they know that it's the truth. The problem is not with the truth. You see, there is real power in the truth of God's word and its revelation of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. The Apostle John in the book of Revelation says that they overcame him, who is that Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Friend, this is fantastic news. The problem is not with us and the power of Christ. The problem and the difficulty is in the disbelieving heart. And my friend, don't let that discourage you from opening your mouth and sharing the good news about Jesus with others. Because I remind you that there are people who are waiting to hear. There there are people who are starving for the good news of the gospel. And when you share with them, they're going to say yes and they're going to receive. And so, my friend, that is fantastic news. I hope today that it encourages you to be a bold witness for Jesus in these difficult days. And with that, I bid you peace. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. I invite you to be sure and check out the show notes there. You'll find information on how you can be a part of helping support this podcast. Also, you'll find information on how you can contact us by email. There you will also find information that is helpful in sharing the good news of the gospel with others. Please take time to like this podcast, give it two thumbs up, whatever it takes in social media to help advance this message forward. I deeply appreciate it. Have a great day.